morning. It is uh, good morning to Ed. Um, I'm glad that you guys are are here today. It's a it's a special day for lots of occasions. You guys are here. We're at our new hour at 11, or back to our old hour, however you say that. Um, thank you to those that are online watching on YouTube or Facebook. We're glad to have you here with us as well. But above all of that, that's there something special. My mom is here today, and uh, I, yeah. <clears throat> I haven't seen her in over a year, and uh, it's been hard, man. You know, you need your mom. You need your mom. And uh, so I got to hug her. She surprised me. I didn't know she was coming. And she shows up, and now I have to preach. And so I'm a mess. I just admit it. But I love my mom, and uh, and my cousins are here too, Marcus and Sandra and Ben. And, and so they all came in from East Texas and surprised me today, and it's good, man. It is just good. I'm telling you, it's just good. So I'm excited. So I don't know if Lauren and Seth are here. Where are y'all at? Hey, we don't get to have lunch today. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go with my mom. So I already had lunch plans. I didn't know she was coming. And so uh, sorry, guys, about that. Uh, but it's a, it's a good surprise. And it's May. It's the month of May. We have arrived at the month of May, uh, which is great. It means a lot of things. Uh, it means to me, summer is right here on us. And Man, as, as youth and family pastor, that's an exciting time for me because I think VBS is just five weeks away. Like, you need to register if you haven't done that. Youth camp is six weeks away, and we get to go back to Zephyr, and we haven't been in two years to Zephyr. That's exciting. for So many good things. And then after that comes, um, we get to do kids camp, and we get to do preteen camp. We get to go on mission trip. Like, we get to go do things together, and I'm so excited about that, and I'm extremely fired up for that, and, and so... I want to get us ready for summer. I want us to be prepared. So today's sermon is about getting ready for summer and what that's going to mean and what that looks like and how we can do it. And I'm not really talking about registration or payments or decorations. And those things are important. What I need to address with us today is our summer dress code. And you're like, that's not a very exciting message, Alan. What? Let me let me explain where I'm at. I want to I want to chase a rabbit for just a second if I can. Um, here's here's where it's at. I've been asked. Many times uh, about my rule I have at youth camp and, and the rule that's been in place since I've been youth pastor here. This will be my 28th summer uh, going to youth camp as, as youth pastor here. And the rule that we have is called the no kneecap rule. And for those of you students that are going to camp for the first time with us, listen up, parents, listen up as you help them pack their bags. But uh, but the no kneecap rule is simply this. When we go to worship at night, so it's not all day rule, but for our worship services at night at camp, um, I ask the students and our sponsors that go with us to wear a pants, skirt, or dress, or something that covers your kneecaps when you're sitting down. It's, it's simply that rule. Like, that seems kind of dumb. It's hot. It's a thousand degrees. We're in the air conditioning for worship, so it's not a big deal. But, one. But number two is this. It, it's not a rule that, that says, I'm going to control you. It's a rule that says, I love you, because I care that we give our full focus to what's most important during that time. That we would lessen the distractions that we would have our eyes where they're supposed to be. And not every church has that rule. Usually we're the only church that has that rule, unless it's one of my old interns or something that brings their youth group, and they've put that rule in there. But but that that's that's what we do, not because we're better, but because I care so much about our students and their ability to focus on what's most important during that time and to not be distracted at all during that time. And, and one of my core values in, in student ministry is is that we treat girls like princesses. 
And, and that doesn't mean that they're dainty and can't. No, that we got some warrior princesses around here. Let me tell you. But it's about treating them as daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Matter of fact, one of my personal goals in that is that every girl that comes through our youth ministry has a hard time getting married because she can't find a guy that treated her as well as she was treated in youth ministry. That we want to set that standard and that goal. And so we put this rule in place for that. Not just for girls. The guys are going to live up to this rule as well. Girls have lust issues too, just like boys do. But I know what boys think. And I know what's on their mind. And, and I know that in our culture right now, it's saying, wear less, wear shorter, wear tighter. That's how you're supposed to fit in. That's how you're supposed to get the attention. I just don't believe that to be true. And maybe I'm old school in all of this, but I look at it like this. Everything that God made valuable on this planet, he made it well covered, hard to see, find, or get. For example, where do you find diamonds? Down in the ground, covered and protected. Where do you find pearls? Down at the bottom of the ocean, covered and protected. Where do you find gold? Down in the ground, you have to mine for it and dig for it and find it before you ever get it. Girls especially, you are so much more valuable than diamonds, gold, or pearls. It shouldn't be easy to get on the surface. You should have to work and dig and earn the opportunity in marriage to see what's been covered. Now, I could do a whole sermon on that today. That's not my point. But that's my heart, and I wanted you to hear that because I do get questions. Well, why do you make them wear pants at camp? That's why. That something has to be different in our culture. We are called to be different. Holiness is set-apartness. And that's one way that we can do that. And that's not, that's not why I wanted to... I'm not going to go there. Now, but it ties in. So trust me with this, if you will. Because I, I, I used to think I was a smart guy. And then I had kids. See, you parents are, are with me on that. Now, the great thing about my son, Colby... Colby let me believe that I was smarter longer, is what he did. It wasn't until he became a teenager that I became pretty dumb. My daughter, on the other hand, it didn't take near as long. I, I can remember, Molly, I love you. I know you're sitting in the back. But, um, and Mimi's going to love you and probably get on to me at lunch for this. But, but at, when she was little, I don't know, six or seven years old, I don't remember exactly how old she was, but I do remember that Amy was going to be gone for the weekend and I was in charge. Like, this was what's going to happen. And when I say weekend, I mean like Friday night to Saturday afternoon, evening. Like, cause that's as long as she trusted me with the kids alone at that time. But, uh, but, but I had them. I had the responsibility. I had this. Don't let them die. Don't let them bleed. Don't let them get lice. Don't let them do something. Like, that's the, the rule that we needed to do. So, so I, I'm thinking ahead and I'm trying to plan. Like, we can get through dinner cause I can order pizza and that's easy and we're good. And then we'll put them to bed, and they'll go to sleep, and this will be great. And tomorrow, we'll have a day outside. We're going we're gonna to have fun. Now, Texas weather, typically drunk and doesn't know what it's doing. And so I knew it was going to be like 40 in the morning and 90 in the afternoon or something, because that's what Texas does. And so I'm thinking, all right, if we're going to go out. So I'll, I'll get, here's a T-shirt, here's a zip-up hoodie for her, uh, some cute pants and some tennis shoes. I'm set. Like, this is going to be a good day. And so I, I lay out the clothes for her. We're going to be good. Next morning, she comes into the living room wearing this giant sweater. Like, what, what are you wearing? I, it's cold, Daddy. 
I know. That's why I gave you the little zip-up hoodie thing that you have. But I want to wear this. You're not wearing that. I laid this out for you. You're not going to wear that. Like, but these are my clothes. And so are those. And I bought all of them. And you're going to wear this. You're not going to wear that. Obviously, she did not have the same information that I had. I'm a little smarter than her. But she doesn't see it that way. This is what I want. This is what you are going to wear. And that's what she did. It was a bit of a fight. But I won because I'm a man. <laughs> and I might have bribed her with some donuts or something. But, but anyway, she got into the right clothes. And we went off and had a great day. And by lunchtime, the hoodie is off. And she's in her T-shirt. And we're running around having a great time. That's, that's where that <laughs> was in all of this. But let me, let me tell you this. In many ways, I'm just like her. I think in many ways, you are too. Because how many times have I said to God, I want to wear this. He says, no, 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 no. You're going to wear that. No, God, I want to wear this. This is my life. This is what I want to do. I know what's best. And he says, Alan, clearly you don't have the information that I have. Clearly you don't know what's coming. This is what you are going to wear. And and now when I think about growing up, and my mom's here, she can testify to that. When we go to church, you wear your Sunday best. That's what you do. You put on your nice clothes and you you go to church because that's what you're supposed to do. I don't think God cares about our clothes. I don't think that's at the top of his priority list. First Peter five, five. Let's go here. We're going to unpack this little bit of scripture. Just a few verses. First Peter five, five. He starts this chapter talking to young men. And then in verse 5, he transitions and he says this, all of you, every one of us, no one is exempt from this passage. This isn't just for men. This isn't just for ladies. This isn't for old men. This isn't for young kids. This is all. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. See, God loves us so much, he says, Alan, you will take off that pride and you will put on this humility. I laid humility out for you. This is what I expect you to wear. This is what I've laid for you to wear. I don't want to. I want to wear pride because it makes me feel good. It puffs me up a little bit. I feel more important when I put on pride. It makes me feel really good. He says, yeah, but I know what the long-term consequences are going to be. It's fitting to get hotter than you can handle. It's going to get really uncomfortable out. I told you to put on humility, not pride. Like that's his command to us. Not a suggestion, not just a good idea. He tells us, clothe yourselves with humility. This is a command, not because he wants to control us, but he loves us so much that the information he has about what is to come will protect us. It will be what's best for us. But the world says, put on all the pride you can. Make it about you. Me, me, me. And so we love that because in the moment it feels good. But I'm going to get to what those consequences are here in just a minute. Now, Jesus himself didn't ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. He humbled himself to the point of coming out of heaven, the perfect place, and coming down to be like one of us. He became man. That's humbling for God to do. And then he took it another step and said, not only am I going to humble myself by showing up on the earth, I will humble myself by being obedient to death on a cross. Let me get on a cross and show you what humility looks like. 
Let me take all of your sin. Let me take all of your hurts. Let me take all of your burdens. I will carry all of that on myself. I will humble myself to get on a cross and die for you. So when I say put on humility, when I say clothe yourself with humility, I'm not asking you to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Matter of fact, I'm not even asking you to do it to the level that I did it. That's pretty strong. So what does it look like to wear pride? Like, how do you, how do you see that? How do you, it's not like I can go down and put my arm through it and put it on and pull it over, right? So a friend of mine made a list of questions that helped me understand this. So let me ask these questions. It'll help you recognize, am I wearing pride? Is pride part of my wardrobe? One is this. Do you constantly wonder, what are they thinking of me? What are they saying about me? What are they going to think of me? It's pride. Do you find value in your accomplishments or your abilities or your resources constantly seeking to be self-important? It's pride. Guilty. Do you seek to constantly control situations with your kids or at work or at school, worried about what's next, not uh, wanting to control situations as much as you can? It's pride. Do you feel anxious? Oh, boy. Are you defensive when someone points out your sins, or are you grateful? Do you get defensive when they say, hey, this is an area of growth for you. Let's talk about it. Or do you get all puffed up and angry? You have play, you can't tell me, you can't. Do you believe you're unforgivable? Walking around feeling all of the shame because of what you did? Because that says the cross wasn't enough. That says what you did to pay for my hurts, my shame, my sin, my regret, my past wasn't enough. i got to handle it myself. That's pride. Anytime we think the cross isn't big enough, it's pride. Are you preoccupied with thoughts of yourself? Because that's the essence of pride. Thinking about yourself constantly, positioning yourself, trying to strategize, how do I get ahead? How do I win regardless of who it hurts? It's pride. Or, on the other hand, are you preoccupied with thoughts of serving others? Because that's biblical humility. Are you thinking, how can I use my resources, my time, my talent, my treasures to serve others as much as I can? That's humility. See, these are the questions that are important for us to ask. And maybe those questions might be good conversation for you this week or today at lunch or as you have dinner this week. I don't know, but man, those questions have been haunting me all week. Those questions have been drilling me in the heart all week because I relate to too many of them. And I can, I can spin them and I can spiritualize them and make them sound like they're pretty good things. But at the heart of what they are, it's pride. So what happens when you wear pride? A couple of things happen when you wear pride. First is this. When you wear pride, you stand in direct opposition to God Almighty. Look at what verse 5 says. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. When you put on pride, you are marking yourself to say, I am your enemy, God. I am against you. I don't know about you, I don't want to stand in opposition to the most powerful thing in the whole dang world. I don't, I don't want to do that. When you go to a game, this, this happens all the time, you go to a game, how do you identify what team you're cheering for? By their jersey. Just put on the jersey. Anytime I'm watching a game, my kids will come in, and especially Colby's like, who are we cheering for, Dad, blue or white? Like, that's, that's what he identifies them with. 
Because you can look at your jersey and see who's in opposition. Because the jerseys don't match. They're in opposite colors and they home and away. They do that on purpose as teams play their games. They wear opposite jerseys so you know who is in opposition to you. When you put on the jersey of pride, you stand as the opponent of God. That's a scary place to be because you will lose. He will humble you. Pride is the uniform of God's opponent. That's scary. Also, when you put on pride, it leads to anxiety. Anxiety is a big thing in our culture. COVID has affected that in many different ways as we've walked through that. Verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety, uh, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, as we have been in the church a long time, a lot of these verses you remember that you memorize. But a lot of times we memorize them one at a time. And so we, in our mind, have created them as separate ideas. They're separate individual ideas. When the truth is, it's all one thought that's put together right there. Let, let me explain to you on this. How many times have you said, I have to do this, i got to have that, i got to be there, i got to go there, I need this, I want this, I, and I've got to do it all right now. Our culture that we've created, especially here in Central Texas, is go, 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 and then crash. And then get just enough energy to go, 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 go. And we have to do it all ourselves. We have to take care of everything. Have you ever wondered what God thinks about that activity? Have you ever stopped to wonder that maybe God is going, hey, you're taking care of this, you're taking care of this, you're taking care of this. What's my job? I I thought it said in the scripture that he's going to take care of us. Take Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're taking care of everything, what does he take care of? Why are we stealing his job? When, when, when I go to the hospital and, and visit people when I can uh, and are allowed to do that, but I see them and they're under the care of a doctor or they're under the care of a nurse, like Colleen. Like, they're under their care. I, I, I remember my dad was under hospice care. Like, they were responsible for his care. That was their job, was to take care of things that they couldn't take care of anymore. Why do we wait till it's a medical emergency before we let someone care for us? When God said, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. You are under my care. You're my child. I've got this. Quit trying to do it yourself. What if we, what if we humbled ourselves under God's mighty hand so He could lift us up in due time. Can I tell you, due time equals his time? His timing? See, these verses show that pride is the foundation of our sin. It's the foundation of anxiety. Because this sounds like a new idea that's that's separated from this. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. He can lift you up. And then separately, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The way it was originally written basically said this. Humble yourselves under God by casting all your anxiety on him. That was how you humbled yourself. How do you humble yourself? By casting your anxiety on him. They go together. It's not separate ideas in all of this. It's all one idea, which sounds great. That's a great idea, Alan. How is it practical? How do I practically do that because I'm an anxious person and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear that comes with that? How do I do those things? Well, let me explain this. If pride 
is the foundation for anxiety. And anxiety is a difficult thing to fight and see, but pride is not. We just went through a bunch of questions. And if we'll honestly answer them, we will recognize areas of pride. Well, then if we do what it takes to take off pride and put on humility, then we are fighting anxiety. We can defeat anxiety through humbling ourselves by casting our cares on Him, by letting Him raise us up, letting His hand lead the way. And as we fight pride, we defeat anxiety. Now, it's not an overnight process. It's not like, oh, I say one prayer and a good magic wand and it's all. No, there's work involved in this. Especially when you're super comfortable with the clothing of pride. It, it takes time because now you become vulnerable when you take that off. Number three, putting on pride leads to sin. Let's read the verses, chapter, uh, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, when we hear that, that, that phrase, well, it leads to sin. Well, sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it all the time. It's deadly, but it's fun. And it almost seems like our culture has made this word sin not a big deal. It's used so much. And we've chosen to rank sin a lot. Well, that's a really bad sin. That one's not so bad. So as long as I'm doing the not so bad ones, then the bad ones, like, and we rank it out. God says all of it killed my son. And so we've become calloused almost to the word sin. It becomes, eh, everybody does it. What if we change that to say, wearing pride leads, leads to being devoured? Well, that doesn't sound fun at all. I don't want to get eaten. I don't want to get chewed up and spit out. I don't, I don't like that idea at all. But wearing pride leads to getting devoured. You keep wearing it, it will end poorly for you. I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit. Some of you don't know. How many of you ever heard of Lady Gaga? Do you have any? Anybody ever heard of Okay, more people than I thought heard of Lady Gaga. Um, Ten years ago or so, she was at the MTV Music Awards to win or present or something. I don't know. I don't care. But uh, but what she wore that day was interesting to me. I don't know if you saw it. How many of you saw that she wore a meat dress? Anybody remember the meat dress that she wore? Um, she wore a meat dress. If you haven't seen it, here's a picture. Yeah. Now, you look at that. That's not a pattern of meat. That's not virtual reality and, oh, okay, she's got a meat dress on. No, that is actual meat. There's a steak on her head. She's literally wearing meat. Okay, you can take it off because that's ugly and gross. Let me ask you this. How would it go for her if she wore that meat dress into a lion's cage? What do you think would happen? She would get devoured. She would get devoured. When we put on pride, it's like wearing a meat dress into a lion's cage. Because Scripture just told us your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You keep trying to do everything yourself. If I keep trying to, I'm super dad, I'm super husband, I'm super pastor, I'm super mom, I'm super dad, I'm super kid, you're going to end up super dead. That's what it leads to when we choose to keep that on. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I, can, I got this. I, I, stop it. Take off pride. Put on 
Humility. That's what he's asking. Let me ask you this. You ever have a stray cat show up at your house? You ever have that happen? What happens when you feed that stray cat? It shows up the next day. And what happens when you feed it? It shows up the next That thing keeps coming back. Like, I got a home now. This is good. I'm going to hang out here forever. What happens when you don't feed that cat? It whines at you. It's all mad at you. Then it comes back the next day. You still don't feed it? Then it goes away. Because it will go find somebody else that will feed it. That's what will happen. When it gets hungry, it gets weaker and it goes away. Satan's just a stray cat. Satan is like Netflix or YouTube or Hulu. Pick one of those things, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You watch a show, and it goes, oh, you watch that show? How about this show? Oh, you like that one? How about this one? Oh, you like Criminal Minds? Here's CSI, right? It, it kind of does all that to you, right? You, you like Friends? Well, here's Seinfeld. Like, it just it passes these things on to you, Right? Oh, you watch Stranger Things season one? How about season two? Like, it just kind of feeds you. Oh, you like looking at naked people? Here's some more. It just keeps giving you what you look for. And the more you click, the more you feed. And the more you feed, the more it shows up. You don't get rid of an appetite by feeding it. You get rid of an appetite by starving it. And that's how Satan works. Oh, you think you can control this? Let me give you a situation you can't control. Oh, you think you can handle it? Let me give you some things you can't handle. And then we start drowning in it because we have on that coat of pride. And if we will take that off and clothe ourselves with humility and start starving that stray cat, it goes away. Oh, you watch that sermon? How about this sermon? You like that verse? How about this verse? Oh, did you enjoy that worship song? How about this worship song? And all of a sudden, that cat is starving and is going to go find someone else. You get to call the shots on that. Quit feeding that thing. Right? It leads to sin. This is how you throw off that sin and put on humility. You starve the stray cat. But see, here's the deal. I said all that, and now I've isolated a bunch of people in this room. A bunch of people are like, well, gosh, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm struggling with. And now you feel bad and there's more shame. What did this tell us in those scriptures right there? It says, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not alone in your suffering, in what you're clicking, in what you're feeling, in what you're overwhelmed with. You're not alone in that. Here's the deal. As pastors, we have conversations with people all the time. It's one of those parts of the job, and I get to hear some messy things. And here's the thing. All the people that I talk to, they're the only one who's going through that. I'm the only one that's thought about hurting myself. I'm the only one that has a hard marriage. I'm the only one that has... It's, and then the next person I talk to has the exact same thing. You're not alone in it. Nobody's perfect. We all have stories. We all have skeletons. We all have struggles. And the more we isolate ourselves and think that, then the enemy is winning. But when we're able to take off that pride of I don't want people to know about me, I don't want them to know this story, I don't want them to know this thing. And I'm not saying you get up and proclaim it from the rooftops here, but you find a trusted friend, you find a trusted mentor and say, here's what I'm at, and look, you connect me with someone else that has the same thing, and maybe we can lock arms and be iron sharpening iron, that we can fight together. Maybe there's another couple that's been through what we're going through and can help us. Maybe there's someone that's, that's been through the college stuff, and I'm scared to death about to graduate high school, and I don't know what's next. You're not alone. You're not alone. The 
There's believers throughout the world who are going through the same kind of sufferings. We need to help each other take off pride and put on humility. Now, when you wear humility, here's the good news. Let me share the good news with you. When you wear humility, first of all, it looks good on everyone. It looks good on everyone. So we're like, I don't look good in anything. You look good in humility. It is. Some of you, I've never seen it on you, but you look good in it. I don't know that I've seen it when I look in the mirror. It's always appropriate in every situation. There's not a situation that you can't go to that humility doesn't look good and that it's not appropriate. It's, it's good. It, it, ladies, it's like, that, it's like that outfit that you can wear to anything. It's so versatile, right? I could go to a wedding. I can go to a funeral. I can go out to dinner. I can go to church. I can, I can do all the things in it, right? It's a versatile thing. It always looks good. Guys, it's like our favorite shirt. I'll wear it with shorts. I'll wear it with jeans. I'll wear it with a suit if I need to. Like, I look good in this. Like, that's what humility is. It always fits right. It's always good. It's always comfortable. Number two, when you wear humility is this. It's powerful. It's powerful. Let's, let's rewind and look at the benefits of what wearing humility looks like. God says to be in. Clothe yourself with humility, right? That's what we do. With humility, we receive God's favor. Right? He shows humble. I mean, he shows favor to the humble. That's verse 5. With humility, we're protected by the hand of God. Verse 6, that we are under the hand of God. Like his, we are in his care, right? That's a benefit of wearing humility because now we are in his care. We are not his opponent. We are his teammate. And I want to be teammates with the most powerful thing in the known universe. That's what I want to be. With, with the third thing, with humility, we can trust his timing. See, he will lift us up in his time, right? In due time, in his time. That's good. There's more back coming in a second on that. Number next. With humility, we are not anxious. We talked about that. We can fight pride. Pride leads to anxiousness, but we can fight the pride, which helps us defeat anxiousness. So when we clothe ourselves with humility, we're not anxious because we cast our anxieties on him. We take it off and put it on his hook. God, you take this. You've got a big hanger. I want you to take this. I want you to grab this. This is what I want you to do. And he's willing to take it. He took it on the cross. He's still taking it today. This is a good one. With humility, we understand the love of God. What a great benefit that is. And we have an enemy who wants to tell you that God would never love you because of what you've done or what you've been or where you go or what you think or what you look at or what you click. Like, that's what the enemy does. Da, 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 da. But when we understand and we clothe ourselves with humility, then we better understand how much he loves us. And the more that we know he loves us, the better we are. Because nobody knows you better than God and he still loves you. What a great promise that is. What, what a great benefit that is. Number next, with humility, we can resist the devil because you, you can quit feeding him. You can kick that stray cat to the curb. So you are not welcome here. I'm not feeding you anything from my heart. I'm not opening up even a crevice in my life to give you a foothold. I'm done with you. You've been defeated. What my God did on the cross defeated you. You're done and I am done with you. I'm putting on humility. Next, with humility, we have a right view of sin. See, our, our pride is sin. It leads to many sins. We, we talked about that. I don't need to rehash that there. 
And then my favorite one is this. With humility, we have eternity. What do you mean we have eternity? Think about this. Your salvation, when you became a Christian, those of you that know Christ, and those of you that don't, man, I pray that today is that day. But those that that know Christ, what did you have to do to get saved? You had to humble yourself and say, I can't do this on my own. I'm not good enough, smart enough, rich enough, fast. I can't do it. I need you. And Jesus came and said, okay, I'm here. It started with humility. When you humbled yourself before a perfect God and what he did for you and us in spite of our sin, because of our sin, eternity became the benefit. What a cool benefit of being humble is eternity that's there. So with humility, you get eternity because you humbled yourself before God and he saved you. Now go to verse 10 and 11 to wrap up. And the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, which is interesting because we claim that like as less than a minute. That's what we want that to be. Can I tell you that God gets to determine what a little time is? When it says have suffered a little while, he gets to determine that. We don't. We don't get to say, well, it's been a week. I'm done. Forget it. Look what the Israelites had. They had wandered 40 years before they got the promised land. Caleb was another 45 years before he got his land that was there. Noah took him 100 years to build the ark. You think he didn't suffer for a little while during that time? See, we don't get to pick the length of time. We just get to trust what's coming at the end. After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast? Strong, firm, and steadfast. Because when we stand strong in the faith, we resist the devil. Right? That's what it tells us. It tells us in James, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He will go somewhere else. That's a promise in God's word, but not while we're wearing pride. We got the meat suit on. He's hungry. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, if you're going somewhere, don't you think about what you're going to wear? Anytime Amy and I go out, where are we going? I don't know. What does it matter? Because I need to know what to wear. Okay. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Like, whatever. I, that's what I wear everywhere. But, but she wants to know what to wear. Anytime you're going somewhere, when you go to school, you go on a date, you go to church, you go to a game, you go to whatever, you go going to the beach, you always think, what am I supposed to wear? What's appropriate for me where I'm going? What is our ultimate destination as Christ followers? Heaven. Thank you. I was hoping you would say that. I hope you weren't going to say like uh, Jamaica. Like, I'm not sure. But heaven, that's our ultimate destination is we want to land in heaven. So why don't we think about that every day when we get up and get dressed? Not just physically, but spiritually, do we take the time to go, God, what do I have on right now that's not of you? What do I need to take off? Do I take off some pride? How do I put on humility today? Because I want to dress for my ultimate destination. I want to dress for my Father that loved me. I want to dress for heaven. I'm not saying what you're going to wear in the casket, because none of that goes. Put on humility. Let's dress appropriately. Yes, there's still going to be the rule at camp. That's a physical thing, but hopefully that reminds you of a spiritual love of your Father. and That we would put on the humility, take off the pride, and enjoy all the benefits that are there. I'm going to pray and give you a chance to respond however you want to. 
Um, if you want to come and pray at these steps, you can do that. If you want the Lord's Supper, it's available on both sides. If you want to grab someone that's near you and say, hey, will you just pray for me? Or, hey, can we get together this week and talk? Hey, maybe maybe today at lunch we can have some conversations about these questions. Or maybe this week let's make a date to make that happen. Maybe we turn off the Netflix and say, let's give an hour to this conversation. Maybe we start feeding the humility instead of feeding the pride. I know I need that help. I know this wrecked me this week as I was looking through it. I know it didn't feel very good to have to plan this thing. I've been thinking about it for a whole dang week or two. You guys are just thinking about it right now. And he's, he's gut-punched me a lot to show me the pride. The way I want to control things. I want them done my way. The way that, that man, I, I'm a words of affirmation guy, so I want people to tell me that I've done well when really I need the applause of heaven, not the applause of man. I'm not created to please man. I'm created to please God. But my pride says I want other people to tell me I'm good. See, and I can spiritualize that and make that sound good. Encourage one another in the Lord. I, I can do all that. But at the heart of it is my pride. And that has to go away. A lot of preachers take a lot of pride in how people respond. I'm going to go sit over there and close my eyes. Because I'm not going to look to see who comes to the steps. I'm not going to look to see who prays. That's on you and God. My pride will keep things from happening. Because I want people to go, that's a good sermon, Alan. And really, it shouldn't matter. God's truth is what matters. So that's what I want to pray. And you can respond. Heavenly Father, it's all on you. I tried to be obedient to what you gave me. I tried to speak truth. God, but I am so guilty of wearing pride. And I confess and repent that. God, I want to take off pride and I want to put on humility. I want to be humbled before you. Father, help me to to quit feeding that dumb stray cat that thinks it's a roaring lion. And I make it stronger with my choices or I make it weaker with my choices. God, I choose to starve it to death. I choose to feed humility. But you're going to have to help me, God. Every day you're going to have to help me. And I pray for any of these folks in this room or online that are watching that, that man, that the they would not let pride keep them from responding to this with you. To you be the glory and the honor and the power in Jesus' name.